Hello everyone! Welcome to Tea and Gemstones, your podcast home for talking about a mix of jewelry pop culture commentary coupled with the history of all things sparkly. We talk about jewelry trends, new designers, what we like, don't like, throw in some science and geology, basically anything with gems and jewelry, it's open discussion here. And I am your host, Jen. It is hard to find a form of entertainment more versatile than a movie. A movie can make you cry, laugh, scream, think, take your breath away, entertain your children for a precious few minutes. (laughs) Movies are an escape from regular life. Besides being an interlude from reality, movies are a captured moment in time. The characters in a movie don't age, the story doesn't change. It can be infinitely comforting to go back to your favorite movie, knowing its encapsulated world will be the same as before and will provide you the escape you crave for 90 minutes or so. While the actors' performances and the backgrounds and special effects meld into creating a movie's world, I believe the little details of a movie's fabric are part of what makes it so enrapturing. And some of those beautiful little details are sparkly. This list is crafted in no particular order. I thought about perhaps going chronologically or by a theme, but then I decided it would be much more fun as I worked on the list to just let it be random. I would just write things down as they came to me. So that's the theme. There is the theme. The theme is that this list is highlighting pieces that I, Jennifer, like. (laughs) So for instance, the movie Titanic, not one of my favorites. So no Heart of the Ocean, Big Blue Heart Necklace talk beyond what I just said. But we will spend a good chunk of time on the piece of iconic cinema, these achievements known as Legally Blonde and The Devil Wears Prada. All right, here we go. (laughs) The critically panned Sex and the City 2 movie from 2010 doesn't have a lot of redeeming qualities if you're considering things like having a good plot. But if you watch the movie on mute, it's beautiful. The exotic locales, the clothes, the accessories. One accessory spends very little time on screen, but it was a personal revelation for me the moment I saw it. Okay, Carrie Bradshaw is a problematic character who honestly I've never really liked, but her black diamond engagement ring from Mr. Big was one of the first times I saw a non-white basic engagement ring in mainstream media. Spoiler alert, the movie finale is Mr. Big reproposing to Carrie in her custom shoe closet he built her. He proposes with this five carat black diamond ring set in 18 carat white gold surrounded by a whopping 80 pave white diamonds. When Carrie sees the ring and asks, why black? Mr. Big responds, because you're not like anyone else. When I heard that at the ripe old age of 20, I'm not going to lie. It definitely helped solidify my philosophy that jewelry should be an extension, a reflection of your personality. 
Since the black engagement ring was given at the end of the movie, we haven't seen Carrie actually wearing the stone, but I am really curious with the HBO revival and just like that coming out soon that maybe we'll get to see the ring in action. If Carrie Bradshaw is a movie TV character that I struggle to like, Andy Anderson is a movie character I adored instantly when I saw her on the screen in 2003. If you don't recognize the movie character name, I will paint you a word picture. She has a bright smile, blonde hair. She invented the love fern, you let it die. She wears a long slinky yellow dress, leans against a tanned, is he ever anything other than tanned? Tan Matthew McConaughey on the movie poster. Yeah, it's Kate Hudson in How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. And while Kate and Matthew get top billing, the third star of this rom-com is definitely the jewelry. $14 million in jewelry, to be exact, were loaned to the movie production. It's actually the most amount of jewelry ever loaned to a movie. And the piece de la resistance is a necklace that holds the title of the most expensive piece of jewelry ever custom made for a movie. The necklace makes its appearance at the film's epic gala event. At the gala, women are told to frost themselves with jewelry, and Andy Anderson is adorned with the custom necklace. It harkens to the Tiffany diamond in its current necklace setting. The movie necklace was made by Harry Winston and features an 80-carat yellow diamond pendant hung on a white diamond chain. Harry Winston named the necklace the Isadora after dancer Isadora Duncan, the mother of modern dance. When the finished Isadora was shown to the movie's costume designers, they were like, oh, all right, and they threw out the first gown they had made for Kate Hudson and made a new custom yellow silk gown to complement the gem. And I cannot picture the movie without Kate Hudson in that yellow dress. It's iconic. Usually I'm a little bit anti going yellow on yellow. See Anya Taylor-Joy at the Emmys a few weeks ago. I really didn't like that look, yellow on yellow. But here in this movie with Kate and that epic necklace, it works. It's all golden sunshine. The Isadora is so beautiful, and I wish it was displayed somewhere people could go and see it or had even just made some more appearances on red carpets. But alas, after the movie premiere, the Isadora was sold to a private collector. And like so many one-of-a-kind jewels, it's vanished from public view. Okay, let's transition from the world of rom-com to historical. Period movies offer up a wealth of fantastical accessories and detailed costumes for our eyes to feast on. But the necklace I want to talk about now is on the simpler side, but that simplicity allows it to really stand out. In the 2008 movie, The Other Bolin Girl, Natalie Portman plays Anne Bolin, the ill-fated wife of King Henry VIII of England. Poor Anne was the king's second wife, and after Anne gave birth to the future Queen Elizabeth I, the king was tired of her and wanted to try on a new wife in his quest for a son, 
So he had Anne's head cut off for a litany of false crimes like witchcraft and incest. After her death, King Henry ordered all of his ex-wife portraits destroyed. That's so rude, but one survived and went on to become iconic. The portrait is actually from the 17th century, and it's inspired by an earlier portrait that's been lost to time. This portrait of Anne Boleyn hangs in the National Portrait Gallery in London, and it depicts a woman with a small smile and piercing eyes wearing a dark fitted bodice dress and a pearl necklace. The necklace is choker length, a tight string of white pearls with a large golden bee, the letter, not the insect, hanging from the center with three teardrop shaped pearls hanging down from the initial. The necklace is unusual in its design. There are no other records of another necklace like it during that time period. The jewelry strikingly would have set Anne apart in a room full of women piling on so many details in their accessories that they just all blend together. Her simple necklace highlighting her delicate throat, ironic, isn't it, considering her ultimate fate, proving that you didn't need gobs of diamonds to attract the attention of a king. Initial jewelry first entered history in about the 5th the 14th or the 15th century, but Anne's necklace is actually one of our earliest known famous examples. And nowadays you see initial jewelry everywhere. Rotten Tomatoes gives the other Bolin girl a 43% fresh rating, but the jewelry in the film is a 100 for me. The next movie I want to talk about probably could have been an entire podcast feature on its own. The sparklingly brilliant cinematic achievement that is, drumroll please, Legally Blonde. Now, the movie is circa 2001, and while some of the clothing really dates itself to the 2000s, which is actually more ambiguous now with the fashion revival of the 90s and 2000s resurgence, but Elle Wood's jewelry could not be more classic. She has round white diamond studs and a matching diamond solitaire necklace. She has Tiffany & Co. silver pieces, iconic Hermes. Elle's watch is the Hermes Kelly padlock watch, which was actually inspired by the lock detail featured on the French brand's epic bag, the Kelly. During the bend and snap, scene, L sports an Hermes leather bracelet. And of course, Mr. Harry Winston gets his famous call out when L's ex-boyfriend proposes to his preppy Harvard classmate played by Selma Blair. L bemoans to her manicurist. She has the six carat Harry Winston on her bony, unpolished finger. Excusing the massive diamond engagement ring from the jerky loser, this movie is filled to the fashionable brim with jewelry that I consider entry-level investment pieces. They won't break the bank to add them to your collection. They're classic staples. These pieces have been around for decades and will continue to be around. And if you want one, you should have purchased it like yesterday because this jewelry is never going to cost less than they do right now. 
My own personal example is the Return to Tiffany Silver Tag Bracelet L Sports throughout the first half of the film. That bracelet was my very first jewelry obsession. I cut pictures of it out of magazines and taped them to the fridge. I begged my parents at every gift-giving occasion until Christmas, maybe it was 2003, the Tiffany box under the tree contained my very own return to Tiffany tag bracelet from my parents, and it was love at first sight. Back then, the bracelet cost about $200. As of 2021, the same bracelet retails for $625. So please consider this your permission granted to go shopping. You are actually saving money in the long run, right? Right, Jake, my husband? (laughs) Anyway, Legally Blonde was a movie that I feel like truly gave women permission to be glamorous and wear accessories in the workplace, at school, and still be taken seriously. Jewelry helps us show the world who we are while imbuing us with confidence. Elle Woods showed me that, yes, I can be both sparkly and smart. Legally Blonde in 2001 was my watershed moment for becoming obsessed with jewelry, but there was a movie in 2005 that gave me my go-to accessory for sophomore year of high school. It's really random. It's the movie Monster-in-Law. Yeah, you probably either forgot that film existed or never knew about it in the first place. It's basically Jane Fonda and Jennifer Lopez being ridiculous to each other for 101 minutes. All throughout the movie, J-Lo wears this amazing bohemian statement necklace. It's somehow both a statement piece and subtle. It's a thin gold-filled chain, maybe 18 inches, with a large teardrop pendant of faceted pineapple quartz by designer Cherie Wax. Pineapple quartz is a gemstone from Madagascar, and it has a cloudy yellow cream appearance, and I had never seen a gemstone like it before. I love yellow stones. They are some of my most favorites. So when I saw that necklace, I just fell in love. I saved up money from working at Build-A-Bear Workshop, my first paying job, my first W-2, And I bought one of those necklaces for $99, which felt like an absurd amount of money for any necklace. Ha! If my 16-year-old self could see me now. And I wore that necklace like every day of sophomore and most of junior year of high school. I actually am super sad because in one of my like half dozen moves in the last decade, that necklace has gone missing but I'll always have the photos from high school to remember it by. That necklace was my first introduction to an unusual gemstone being highlighted in a piece of jewelry. And I love when more non-mainstream gems get exposure, but really that necklace is about the only redeeming quality from the movie Monster-in-Law. So in conclusion, don't watch the movie, but do look up Pineapple Quartz. I'm closing out this list with one of the most majestic modern fashion movies of all time, The Devil Wears Prada. The accessories in this film are paramount to shaping who these characters are. 
you can learn their personalities, read their moods just from your first glance at what they are wearing. And also, the movie is a delicious eye feast of fun things to look at. Hello, the closet. The closet at the magazine where she works is unreal. The first time we meet Emily Blunt's character, she's wearing a Sailor Aunt chain belt as a necklace. It sets the tone for her character being a little subversive. She's putting a twist on high luxury to make it her own without venturing too far. When our eyes first alight upon the soft speaker of sharp words herself, Meryl Streep's Miranda Priestly, she's sitting at her desk like it's a throne, resplendent all in jewel tones. Statement jewel tones at that. She has one hand to her chin, highlighting a large green cocktail ring. She has red jeweled large hoop earrings. She's wearing a deep plum hued dress. It conveys richness, confidence, and luxury with just one glance at her. Miranda is a character not afraid of anything, and she portrays that with her accessories and outfits. And where most people might stop, Miranda takes it one step more. In the famous scene where Miranda reads her poor assistant Anne Hathaway to filth for not understanding the trickle-down effect of high fashion to the masses, hello, Cerulean Blue, Miranda, during that whole speech, she's wearing a beaded golden jacket. You would think that with a large statement clothing item like that, no jewelry would be needed. Ha ha! Miranda layers on multiple long gold statement necklaces over the jacket and crowns the look with hoop earrings. We are also treated to a scene of Miranda embracing what some consider a faux pas, but is my personal most favorite thing, mixing metals. She wears huge white gold hoops, a platinum ring, a gray pearl choker, and a gold Egyptian revival bracelet all at the same time. Coco Chanel has the famous quote that before she left the house, she always looks in the mirror and took one more thing off. I think that's boring, and Miranda definitely always looked in the mirror and put one more thing on. Anne Hathaway's character, Andrea, Andy, she doesn't have many jewelry shining moments in the film. That's probably due to the fact of her character playing the foil to the high fashion world around her. However, she does get to wear many a statement necklace. They're usually by Chanel and featuring soft feminine elements designed to convey her vulnerability and kindness. We see lots of bows, pearls, and delicate charms. She wears a lot of neutral tone dresses and black blouses to really let her necklaces shine as crucial to her look. With such a neutral point of view to her accessories, the viewer can really project themselves into Andrea's Jimmy Choo's, while Miranda is just a sight to behold, not to emulate. Movie characters can make us laugh, give us a new perspective on life situations, show us how we would or would not like our relationships to be. But the connection to fictional figures on screen would be hindered if those figures didn't feel authentic. And the jewelry and accessories used on the silver screen contribute greatly to a character's whole persona. How do we establish someone's fierceness, bohemian outlook, 
femininity, or confidence with just a quick visual introduction. The power of a well-placed, amazing piece of jewelry. And what we see on the movie screen might just stick with us. We can fall in love with a new style, a specific piece, and then it finds its way into our own jewelry boxes, becoming a part of ourselves and our own history. Do you have a sparkly movie moment you will remember forever? Head over to Tea and Gemstones on Instagram and leave a comment on the grid post for this episode to let us know. Check out our show notes for a link to our blog for a transcript of this episode and our bibliography. Our theme song is by Joseph McDade. This has been Tea and Gemstones Bling of the Silver Screen, and I, Jen, have enjoyed being your host. Okay, everyone, until next time. Stay sparkly.